Ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time to bring forth the rhythm and the rhyme and welcome you back to another episode of America's Favorite Podcast. I'm Sam. Uh, I'm Mitch. And welcome back to Club Sandwich, uh, where on today's episode we are going to finally, finally, finally broach, finally. <laughs> broach the topic that finally. is actually listed as our podcast <laughs> genre. <laughs> I, that even, have, I forgot about that. We have never spoken about a single time, which is video games gaming i know that already half our audience is tuned off because no 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 no, no. <laughs> uh but guys just hear us out all right uh, come, on, man, come, on, come on yeah no i mean it, it is strange like it is super integral to both of our lives it's something we're both super passionate about and have dedicated probably Count more time hours. yeah more time than most into but we haven't talked about it a single time. I mean, I feel like I've just been avoiding it because of sort of the social stigma. But you know what? I'm going to say to heck with it. To heck, to heck with social to stigma. To heck with the stigma. Video games are awesome and are a legitimate art medium. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that if we need to. But I'm I'm not You're afraid Sam, to make a stand. Eminem. Eminem. We get copyright striked. Oh, dang it. I don't even know if that's how Spotify works. Um, anyways, we just want this episode to kind of serve as a brief as possible overview of what our experiences with video games have been like. Because this, if we, if it was everything, this could last like days. Oh, genuinely. I, like, this could be a whole season of the podcast if we wanted to. <laughs> um, but we're not going to subject you to that, maybe. Maybe. Um, season two, the gaming season. <laughs> um, we just, we want to talk about it because it's like... A, I probably in my heart of hearts, yeah. Video games is like my number one hobby. It's yep. just not what I advertise. Like that's Absolutely. not like during rush uh, for fraternity stuff. I never led with video games. I was yeah. always like, they're like, what do you do? And I was like, oh well, I uh, I play tennis. I play the drums a lot. Love music. Love movies. Uh, big video game guy. Like it was always the mm-hmm. like third or fourth thing I said. Yeah, I made sure to kind of do the same thing because like, even though it's something I'm not ashamed of, it is something that is like stigmatized to a degree. It's just there's it's it's a different thing. Like even though it's so common, it is, it's so huge and so common. Like you can't avoid. I mean, practically every person I have ever met under the age of, like, 70, has played a video game at least once in their life. Yeah, whether it's Angry Birds or God of War. Yeah. Like, everyone, and everybody knows about it, and everybody's done it, but there's still just this weird, like, it's not the same as, like, movies or television or... You're a gamer? Yeah, it's, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um... I'll so, get it started. Yeah. Get, um, let's get it started and how... We, we have so much to talk about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to constantly hold myself back from talking more than like two minutes about each game that we yeah. wrote down to talk about. Um, or maybe even less than that. Yeah. Um, but everyone's gaming story starts somewhere. <laughs> uh, isn't that right? Um, so for me... All journeys must uh, have a beginning. Mine started definitely by... I'm the youngest sibling in my family, so it was just kind of like whatever games my siblings had, that was the game I was going to play when they weren't home to hog the computer or the GameCube. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a kid, uh, we had a computer game 
on my dad's work computer uh, in our house here called Age of Empires 2. This is the one I'm highlighting because I still play it today. This game came out in 1999 for Windows. Um, That's when Prince made that song. <laughs> and uh, it is. Um, so, of course, there are other computer games like Putt-Putt and Freddy Fish and Pajama Sam. All iconic games, by the way. Um, but Age of Empires 2 is a real-time strategy game. Is the genre of video game. So essentially what it is is you are controlling a little civilization of people that you build from the ground up and you have to raise an army, collect resources, and go and try to like wipe out the other people on this map. So it's basically like the predecessor to Clash of Clans or Clash Royale. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Um, and that it's How like... Ready? Ooh, voice crack. Yeah. Um, you have to get your medieval military civilization and go fight the other guy, but it's the fun part of Clash of Clans where you fight people and imagine if it's like their base and your base were next to each other and you were like sending troops at each other. And there's no waiting or pay to win. Yeah, that's what Age of Empires 2 is like. And so that was one of my b first big exposures to video games. Um, that... I still play today on my computer, and it's probably one of the video games I've spent the most time on in my entire life. Yeah. So, my first exposure to video games, I was the oldest sibling, so I did not have that deal of, like, <laughs> there were video games already in the house before I was alive. Right. Um, I mean, my dad, had, like, every good boy growing up in the 80s and graduating college in the 90s, he's played video games before. He wasn't a huge, like, excessive gamer, but, I mean, like... He loved Madden, and uh, he has played Mortal Kombat before, um, things like that. So in 2006, I was four years old, for his birthday, not my birthday, for the grown man with a job's birthday, his parents got him a Wii, and that's sick. He, it, it was awesome. And he brought home said Wii, and it had Wii Fit, I remember, because we had the balance board, yep. um, and he brought home the Wii, and that was my first exposure to video games that I remember and my mind was blown. Like, yeah. Sam Allen... She, there is, like, a multiverse out there where, like, he never got that Wii, and I'm an entirely different person. You're, like, like homeless... No, I mean, literally, like... Darkest like, timeline Sam. In darkest timeline Sinister Sam. Um, <laughs> Sussy Sam. So, he had the Wii. Obviously, Wii Sports came with it. That was a big deal. Yeah, um, that is a big deal. I played a ton of Mario games. I think the first game I can really vividly remember playing is Rock Band for the mm. Wii. And for those of you who somehow don't know, Rock Band, is, it's like the same thing as Guitar Hero. It's a rhythm game where you hit the notes on the little plastic instruments. But instead of Guitar Hero, it has all the instruments. So he got like the full band kit. So it had a microphone, guitar, and a drum kit. Mm -hmm. Well, my dad is an actual guitar player, so he would naturally gravitate towards the guitar. Right. Well, I'm a little four-year-old kid who doesn't know... All of the letters of the alphabet. Okay, by four I did know the alphabet, but you know what I mean. Give yourself some credit, man. G yeah, give myself a little credit. <laughs> I couldn't spell independence. How about that? Yeah, um, I still struggle. And so he had me just do the next best thing, which is just bang on some plastic pads, which was the drum kit. Well, they let me play, and turns out I can kind of do it. <laughs> and my parents like looked at each other, and they've told me this story. They look at each other, and they're like, oh... And they had me play a little bit more and experiment, and then there came a day where my dad, like, turned the game off, he went and got his real guitar and sat me down with, like, some plastic drums and, like, pans in the kitchen. He's like, find a beat for this. 
and he started playing uh, Peaceful Easy Feeling by the Eagles. Oh, yeah. And I started to play with them, and that was when they started getting me drum lessons. So long story short, the video game rock band made me a drummer. Yeah. I think that that'll kind of be a common theme throughout this as, like, Probably a lot of people listening to this. There are plenty of people in our audience that are gonna like have enjoyed video games uh, yeah. from casual to a like more in depth degree. But I think a genu- a general theme for both of us is like video games opened us to so much more besides yes. just video games. Yeah. Um, whether it's like other types of media, different things to be interested in, uh, different people. methods of storytelling, meeting other people, getting connected to other communities, um, different ways to spend our time and. Like, even, like, grow as people at times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, kind of jumping uh, into the next thing as sort of a narrative progressive of, like, me playing video games. So after... My childhood was kind of spent playing whatever games my siblings had, whether it was, like, I was able to beat a level of Super Mario Sunshine they couldn't figure out or get past a part of Super Paper Mario that they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out. Me, as, like, a five to six year old doing that that was some of like my most triumphal moments as a child was like <laughs> it's a I, big deal i sat down and solved a puzzle that my siblings that are five seven and ten years older than me couldn't like that was such a big like personal growth moment for me like those are some like i look back and i'm like oh, i'm still so proud of figuring <laughs> out that you had to guide the chain chomp into the bathtub mm. rather than force him yeah, um, really says a lot about society. But um, <laughs> thank you, Super Mario Sunshine. As a kid, I just kind of played whatever they had until I got we got a Wii as a family. Um, ah, the family Wii for a Christmas, I believe. And then I also got my own DS. Mm. And the DS is where I spent a lot of time playing games as a kid because I didn't have to hog the TV from a, another older sibling. Anywhere you could take it on the go. You could take it on beach trips. You could take it to football games. You can take it when your dad takes you hunting, even though you hate hunting. You can take and it to I your just parents want- signing the divorce papers. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to play Mario Hoops three on three while he was shooting ducks. <laughs> but seriously, um, I play my DS, and a game I got in the DS. I got it because it had Mario and Luigi and yeah. Bowser in the title. In case y'all haven't noticed, Mario is huge for both of us. Absolutely. Um, one, it's like the family-friendly video game franchise. He's and the Mickey Mouse of gaming. Yeah, absolutely. He is. Um, yeah, of course, Mario's just a huge thing, and like I'm pretty sure everyone in the audience has played a Mario game. At the bare minimum, like most people I know have played Mario Kart Wii or yeah. like Super Mario Bros. Or New Super Mario Bros. Yeah. for the Wii. Um, but, um, I got this game because I was like, ooh, it says Mario. It's called Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Oh, and classic. And is, and not at all like other Mario games because it's actually in the style of what's called an RPG video game. If you don't know what, what that, that is. What does that stand for, Mitchell? Uh, wow, that stands for role-playing game. Um, which Woo. is a title that isn't exactly descriptive of what it is. Um, RPGs are kind of linked to tabletop RPGs as well. Uh, stuff like Dungeons and Dragons where, like, essentially... It's hard to define it, but you take on the role of the main character, and you, like, level up, fight enemies, and a lot of RPGs and video games operate around a turn-based system, uh, where, like, you get a turn to hit the enemy, then they get a turn to hit you, Um, and it goes back and forth. Um, Just like a real fight. Just like a real fight. Um, But what Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story showed me is, most Mario games, at the bare minimum, the story is, like... Bowser, take Peach, you go get Peach, game over, you win. Yeah, and you go Yahoo Wahoo your way to Bowser. (laughs) Um, But this game actually had, like, a complex story with character development and, like, high stakes and jokes, humor, 
Like it's a funny game. An interconnected plot. Like I as a kid was like laughing multiple times playing this game. Um but essentially, of course the game is just really fun to play. It's got so much charm and yeah. personality. And incredible music too. It has some of the best songs. Like the final battle song from that game is Oh my god. If you listen to like various YouTube Ford. videos, um or it's called um the, the, grand, the grand finale, finale yeah. or in the final in the European version. Um <laughs> but it is some of the most like some incredible songs. And it's not a super popular game necessarily, but that game just showed me the depth to which video games can engage in storytelling because that was something that I'd never heard talked about. And I played that game and I was like, that was some of the most I've ever been engaged with a story. And it was a video game, not a book or a movie. So, And it also, like, I, I had such a huge... That game was also a huge part of my childhood. And another thing it sort of introduced to me was like, the idea of the anti-hero, sort of. Oh, yeah. Because Bowser is, like, always the bad guy of Mario mm-hmm. games, and that's what I was always, like, raised to believe. And then you play that game, and Bowser actually works with you. Like, yeah. Like, you hit a point where you basically realize that you coexist and, like, yeah. sort of depend on each other, and so you work with them. So not not that, like, it's some profound, groundbreaking storytelling. Like, right. He, it, it's it's not gonna go up there with Shakespeare, but like it was a very cool thing for like a little kid to see. Yeah, and now that you've mentioned that, I have to briefly gush over that. That the final battle of the game is Bowser fighting like the embodiment of evil that clones itself to copy Bowser. So he's fighting like dark evil Bowser. So it like Bowser, who's always been evil, is now fighting like extra evil version of himself at like the top of a like corrupted Peach's castle. While the greatest song ever plays, and it's, it's like pretty intense. it's one of the most like epic things ever to experience playing a video game because you get to like finish him off by like timing like a really strong punch to his face yeah. by pressing the X button. Yeah, and it's like as a kid that just like totally rocked my world. Um, Makes me want to play it again a little bit. I probably will. It takes like forty hours to beat though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of Mario, another game that is huge to my childhood i mean my entire life but especially childhood super mario galaxy Mm. it is i would say honestly that's the defining game of the wii like i i think if you had to have one game experience on the wii mario kart wii is up there but super mario galaxy probably takes it for me i get chills just thinking of the opening Mm -hmm. the mario galaxy it is fantastically designed like it feels even though it came out in 2007 i believe you on seven 2007 i think um even though it is not a new game it still plays so incredibly like every movement feels so smooth you have such Mm -hmm. great control absolutely um the world design like that's another thing i didn't really like as a kid, you're just playing the games. You don't care about the development or how it's made. But, like, looking on it now, it has such fantastic world design because every mm-hmm. level is a separate galaxy in a universe. Yeah. So you go to a galaxy, and, like, every planet is like a beehive. It's, like, mm-hmm. centered around bee themes and stuff like that. And you go to another one, and it's, like, the Haunted Mansion galaxy. And yeah. so, like, you're shooting from planet to planet of, like, ghosts and yeah. ghouls. Um and it, I've been thinking about this recently, but, like, I don't think this, this... This was not the developer's intentions by any means. They just want to make Yahoo! Mario game. It's such a good allegory for 
finding a community and loneliness. Mm. That was what I texted you about for one of my video you essay did. ideas. Is that you start this game in a comfortable place. Like Mario's in his kingdom doing what he do. It gets blown up. He gets launched off into the void with no contact with anyone. As the game progresses, he begins to like meet more people and they continue to come back to the starship that he's like now made his home. Yeah. And every time you're in a galaxy, there's this like over overwhelming sense of loneliness mm-hmm. until you manage to complete the level and meet the characters along the way. Yeah. So like to me, I see it as a way of sort of making finding a place for yourself after you've had to move on. Yeah. I mean, that game also, it is just given such an epic level of presentation that, like, other Mario games before it um, don't go for. Like, it feels like... The scale. A super dramatic space opera with the way that it uses, like, orchestral music. um, And um, even adding in, like, a character with, like, a sad backstory, like Rosalina. Yes. um, Who tells her story through, like, little storybook readings. And the boss fights, like, everything is so much bigger than you. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's sort of like how we are in the real universe, but, like, in that game, everything in it dwarfs Mario. Like, absolutely. it really sh- serves to show the scale. Yeah, it's like there's a Mario galaxy. <laughs> it's crazy. Around him. Um, um, yeah, in conclusion, Super Mario Galaxy is it's awesome. incredible. 10 it, out of 10. It's, it's one of the greatest games ever made. Um, and it's even rated as such, Yeah. Um, if I'm not wrong. That's one, not, that's not a hot take. Ever. Yeah. Um... Of course, <laughs> play it if you haven't. Um, it controls incredibly well for a game using a Wii remote and nunchuck. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this one is... You know, it sounds a little too much of a normie selection for someone who loves video games so much. I cannot not talk about Minecraft <laughs> uh, when it comes to video games. Because yep. Yep. Minecraft was one of the first games... I'm going to make this claim now. I caught the wave early. I was in on Minecraft before you, listener, were. Why? My sister, her boyfriend, now husband, um, at the time, uh, showed me this cool game he had on his Mac called Minecraft, um, where you could build and do whatever you want. And that was something that, like, a lot of video games don't have. A lot of video games have a very linear story progression, where it's like, you beat the level, you go to the next level, you go to the next level, you go to the next level, you fight the boss, you go to the next world, and so on. But Minecraft, obviously not the first game to do this, but one of the first um, to like reveal that to me about video games. Minecraft is a sandbox-style game that just kind of like puts you out in a world and says... Do whatever. Figure it out and go do what you want. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. You kind of have to just figure it out or look it up. Um, which me as a kid, I didn't know how to look stuff up, so I just had to figure it out <laughs> by like putting different things into a crafting table in different order to try to make a pickaxe. Like, oh, if I put it in the shape of a pickaxe, it makes a pickaxe. Um, but, so I caught Minecraft the first year within when it came out, right after the beta um, in 2011. And so I was playing Minecraft on a computer. And I remember one time, I had a couple of friends over, and I showed them the game in 2011. And they were like, what's the point? And I said, well, you can do whatever you want. They are like, what's the goal? What are you trying to do? And little nihilist nine-year-old Mitchell was, what's the point of anything? <laughs> and I was like, you can do whatever you want. And they were like, that's stupid. <laughs> and that's never going to catch on, is basically what they were saying. And then, of course, come like 2012, 2013... 
What has Minecraft become? Like, one of the biggest game ever. What is Minecraft now? The top-selling video game of all time. Probably one of the most recognizable and iconic video games ever made. Um, it probably might be that. But, um, mm. Minecraft, obviously, it goes without describing. Minecraft has had just such a huge impact on my life. I have dumped countless hours into that game in terms of single-player um, as a kid, but also playing on, like, multiplayer servers where you can play different mini-games. And Minecraft is a game that anyone can understand yeah um that's why it's so popular with children three-year-old can play minecraft at and a they base do. level and get it i can show my dad minecraft and he gets what's going on yep um you can play minecraft with someone super casually you can play minecraft to try to speed run it you can play minecraft trying to advance and beat the game you can play it in creative mode you can build and an build entire stuff. city in creative mode which yeah. people have done and me and my friends during quarantine um a few years ago rebuilt my entire high school in Minecraft as like a way to spend time in quarantine and we ended up like sent that like we sent screenshots of it and a video of it to our professors and they were like blown away by how cool it was and so Minecraft is just such an amazing way to spend time with people um like find people in a community and um like learn how to be creative and Minecraft honestly this is kind of lame like taught me a lot about like science and geology that i learned through <laughs> minecraft by looking stuff up trying to understand how the game works so it's it's honestly become less of a game and more of a platform absolutely if that makes sense. absolutely minecraft is like it's just transcended what it originally was and just means so much to so many people there's a great youtube video by youtuber uh jay schlatt called a tribute to <laughs> minecraft that goes into it in more detail but it goes without saying that Minecraft is incredible. And thankfully, that's like a super universal experience. Like, everyone has tried it at least once. Yeah. And I wish <laughs> I wish I could make myself like it more. I just, I never got that spark. Like, mm -hmm. when every, all the other kids my age at the school book fair would go and buy the, like, little Minecraft guides and all that kind of stuff and would watch, like, YouTube videos on, on it and everything. Yeah. I just never caught the bug and I could mm -hmm. never catch up or make myself like yeah. it more than I do. And watching... YouTubers Let's Play Minecraft was my introduction to like watching YouTube oh, on my own. Yeah, we can they, talk about our experience with YouTube in yeah, another episode, but yeah, like we probably ought to watching that. it was Tobuscus play <laughs> Minecraft was so my first experience watching YouTube on my own for entertainment. And mm -hmm. YouTube has now become the entertainment platform I by far spend the most oh, time on. Yeah, um, easy. So and Minecraft just through YouTube and the internet opened me up to gaming as this like global community mm -hmm. um yeah so another thing i think should we like save favorite games for a little bit talk about some other things yeah first? of course um so here's a thing that is not nearly as universal of an experience as minecraft is but i still do want to talk about it um so in about 2010 i believe it was there's this little game that came out, and it was called Skylanders. Mm. And for those of you who do know, you already know where this is going. But for those of you who don't, I'll explain. So what Skylanders is, it's it's just a video game. Like It feels like the most video gamey of video games. You just play as a character, run around and beat up the bad guys, you collect gold and buy upgrades and all kinds of stuff. Like it's The game itself, nothing special. But the thing where it got crazy is it was the first game in a genre called Toys to Life. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is basically the most scummy capitalist <laughs> steal all of your kids' money 
the kids' even, parents' money. Yeah, steal the kids' parents' money before they even know it's gone. Because what they do is you don't unlock characters in the game. Like, almost every video game, you unlock things by the more you play it. The way this works, if you want more characters, you've got to drag your parents to Walmart, pick out the toy for $13, and convince them to buy you that $13 toy so you can play as another character. Exactly. I am embarrassed and mortified at how much money I have spent in my life into Toys to Life games. Uh, Skylanders took up so much money and so much of my childhood. Um, Another game, people might know this one a little bit more, is it's the same concept. It's called Disney Disney Infinity, Infinity. And it's basically the same thing, but with Disney characters. And so I cannot tell you the number of times that like I would end up in GameStop with my mom and dad and I'd be like, oh my gosh, they have like they have Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean. Please buy him for me. Or <laughs> they have Mike Wazowski or they when they released the Cars playset with Lightning McQueen, I lost my mind. And I feel like more people sort of knew about that just because it was Disney. Like I've had more yeah. friends sort of have that experience but I just I want to mention that because it was such a huge part of me growing up with video games and I'm also so glad it's gone because it was horrifically expensive <laughs> so you're next uh yeah I will skip over this one for the sake of talking about our favorite game later and talk about the last game I have written down besides that um is a game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, also known as PUBG. <laughs> PUBG. Um, known more commonly as that thing that briefly had a moment in the spotlight before Fortnite. Yeah. Um, PUBG is essentially Fortnite um, without the but building. Not as cool in every conceivable way. And the crossovers and all those sorts of things. It's a more like realistic, down to earth art style and presentation. Um, it is now an overdone concept, what the Battle Royale is, but I cannot express how mind-blowing the idea was to me in 2017 that you could join into a lobby of 99 other players where one of you wins. There was something so epic and enthralling about that. It's almost like game show-esque. Yeah, it had like raised the level of stakes within the game beyond anything else. And PUBG, of course, first came out on PC, and I didn't have a computer at the time that could run um, PUBG, so I had to wait for the console release to come out. But in the meantime, I watched and re-watched videos of YouTubers playing PUBG, because I was just so fascinated by the game, and watching them seeing how stressed these people were in a game, I was like, ah, like, whatever, just a game, like, they should be more chill. When I would go over to my friend's house and play it on his older brother's PC, it was some of the most, like, <laughs> like anxiety-inducing, um, like, stressing stuff I have ever played. Um, because it is just so worrying. Because each game is going to take between, like, 20 to 45 minutes. So if you die, you feel like you have wasted that time. And so the level of strategy and carefulness that goes into that game, where you are constantly worrying about as the circle shrinks, like, where am I going to go? Am I going to have cover to hide behind? Where are these other players going to be? Should I engage with this person or intentionally avoid them and hope they get in a fight with somebody else? Um, All these sorts of things that are now like staples in the Battle Royale genre that PUBG kind of laid the foundation for. And it was one of the first games that I sank stupid amount of hours into. 
Mm. I mean, I reached 500 hours in PUBG <laughs> at an unprecedented rate. Um, and it is a game that I've played with countless times with my friends. And at my peak, that was probably the video game I have been the best at. I was... I'm not going to make this claim, but I feel like I could say that I could have been, like, competitive level good at PUBG. Like, I could win, like, three games in a row in solos. Um, That's a big deal. It doesn't sound like it, but it is. Yeah. If you imagine that it's in a game that has a lobby of 85 to 100 people every single time, and you win three in a row, that is a big deal. Um, But it just had such a unique system of how you could go around and loot things and customize guns with specific attachments... You could play in solos, you could play with one other friend, and it was constantly felt like your heart was beating at a million miles per hour the longer the game went on, and nothing beat that feeling of getting my first winner-winner chicken dinner um, <laughs> as the screen like fades to gray and shows that, um, knowing that like you conquered 99 other players. Um, like I think the magic of that has died out uh, as it's become such a trend in gaming to have these battle royales, but... Yeah. Um, you know, I guess Minecraft um, survival games walked so PUBG could run, so Fortnite could sprint. <laughs> um, but PUBG is just a game that I don't talk about a lot, that I've sunk so much of my, of my life into, and I could probably draw you the Orangle default map from PUBG from memory, and it's like multiple miles wide in real-world uh, measurements. But PUBG is just a huge part of my gaming experience. So you mentioned the satisfaction and elation of conquering 99 other players. Mm -hmm. I see your point, and I'm going to raise the counterpoint of the greatest feeling I get in games is conquering a single player, Mm -hmm. and that is through fighting games. The past three-ish, two to three years of, (laughs) I can't say career, but like video gaming experience for me, Fighting games have been such a huge part of it, and for the like, if you can't picture what I'm talking about, it's the Street Fighter, the Mortal Kombat, the Tekken King of Fighters, all those things where the concept is it is you and one other person locked in an arena with limited space, and you are going at it until one of you is knocked out on the floor. Mm-hmm. And the boxing of video games. Yes, exactly. And the reason, there are several reasons I like fighting games so much. I think the biggest part for me is that you defeat your opponent in two ways. You are smarter than them, and you you are more skilled than them. Mm -hmm. Because there are certain games, like real-time strategy games, like the Age of Empires, or like a League of Legends or something, where you're smarter than the other player. You pretty much outmaneuver them and perform better because you know what to do more. Yes, games that are much more like chess. Yes, exactly, like chess. And then there are games where you're just more skillful. Like, my primary example is probably Call of Duty. If I just go into a lobby, it's probably just the guy who can react quicker and throw the tomahawk faster, he's going to win. But with fighting games... You have to be. You have to outsmart them and outskill them because mm-hmm. there is a level of execution it takes. You have to do all these crazy motion inputs. You have to get the timing right. I would love to shit like if someone wants to know what I'm talking about. Like I will boot up Marvel vs. Capcom on my PlayStation and show you what a combo for that looks like. To both do- both the how it looks impressive on screen and how it looks yes. impressive watching his fingers. Yes, it, it is. It is. That's another. I mean, fighting games are so bombastic and crazy on screen. Part of the reason I like them is because you get to like just whoop the crap out of people and look insanely cool doing it. But Absolutely. like, 
the uh, like you were talking about, the thing I love is like in some of these games that you're or that I'm playing, you have to memorize roughly on average like 60 to 80 button inputs in a row and you cannot mess up a single one of them or it drops the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And so it takes so much execution and knowledge, but the payoff is so huge. Yeah. And I've I've made this argument before like I kind of want to take more time to flesh it out, but like I think part of the reason I like fighting games so much is the same reason I have enjoyed tennis so much. They're honestly very similar. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's about being able to anticipate what the other person is mm-hmm. going to do and make a better play around it. Yeah, like, mind I, games are such a crucial Mind part games of are huge because there are so many options that happen in such a short amount of time and you have to be able to like instantly cycle through all of your available options, choose the best one, and p- perform it without failure. Right. Like, the thing I go to is... Let's say I'm playing a Street Fighter game, and I'm just throwing terms out here, but like, I sweep kick somebody, take their legs out from under them. They're on the ground. Everybody else, like, to most people who are just picking up the controller, what you're going to do is you're going to hit buttons until one of you is dead. In like, if you're wanting to actually try and get into it, you have to know, alright, before they get off the ground, they have three options. I have five options. I've got to figure out which ones of my options are going to beat theirs, but of the ones that are going to beat theirs, are they going to be predicting me to do that and then yeah. have a counterattack? It's like rock, paper, scissors with like six different levels, and you've got to do it in about a second and a half. It's like those memes where you'll see it's like rock, paper, scissors, but like the extended version, where there's like <laughs> yeah. 80 different options from like gun, crab, carpet, that all have like different mashups against everything else. Yeah. Um, but I think also... I think to kind of cap this off before we talk about our favorite games, mm-hmm. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Smash Bros. I was I was literally about to yeah um, make that transition. Primarily because Smash Bros. is one of the major ways through which me and Sam got to know each other yeah. and spend time together early on in our friendship. Um, I mean, Smash Bros. takes fighting games and essentially makes them more accessible. It makes it like a party game. In a lot of ways, because it's not as focused on... An insanely high skill cap level of button inputs, unless it's Super Smash Brothers Melee, which is a different thing. Um, <laughs> if you want, a, if you want the best video to describe what that game is, look up Wombo Combo <laughs> on YouTube, which is one of the greatest YouTube videos of all time. And I will stand by You've that. You've probably forever. heard the meme before. Yes. Um, Happy feet, Wombo Combo. Oh, oh you oh, are. That ain't Falco. That ain't Falco. <laughs> uh, it's one of the most iconic sound clips of all time, and definitely one of the most iconic gaming clips of all time. Um, but Super Smash Brothers, of course, is not just one game. It is five games. Um, six, technically. Shut up. Um, starting with Super Smash Brothers 64 for the N64, Super Smash Brothers Melee for the GameCube, Super Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii, which a lot of people in the audience are probably more familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U, um, and 3DS, uh, coming out for the Wii U and 3DS, respectively, known as Smash 4. Um, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which released for the Switch in... Thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Uh, just a few years ago. Um, yep. November 7th, 2018. Super Smash Brothers December Ultimate 7th, um, is... I would consider one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, if not one of the most important games. Yeah, ever. important, because... It is a celebration of gaming itself. Yes. The thing that Smash Brothers does that almost no other games do is it has such a wide-ranging collection of characters and IPs, intellectual properties, 
And it doesn't just throw them all together. Like, I don't know if this is going to upset people. Fortnite is one of the biggest crossovers of all time. Mm -hmm. You have Marvel, DC, Stranger Things, Alien, Predator, like a bunch of video games. So many properties are in that, and that's really cool. But the thing is, they're all just costumes. At the end of the day, you can have like Spider-Man in the game, and that's awesome. But he's just an outfit you can wear. There right. is no... It's not really Spider-Man. There's no it's a death. dude holding a gun. Yeah, who there's looks no like Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man can do the exact same things as Batman can do the exact same thing as... as Rick from Rick and Morty. As Rick from as Rick and Morty. As Master Chief. As yeah. Fortnite default character. Yeah. They're just... It's just clothes that you can wear. It's like putting on a hat. Essentially, yeah. But what Smash Brothers does is when they put something in the game, they go all in. Mm-hmm. Like, for example... They have, uh, like, <laughs> they have Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. And it's not just, oh, I get to run and jump and do the same things everyone else does, but I look like Sonic. He has his own entirely unique list of moves, things he can do. He has two different unique backgrounds that belong to him you can fight on. There's, like, 30 songs in it. Smash Ultimate... If not a video game, it's one is, of the greatest collections of music. Yeah, it, or video game music. It has at least like ever thirteen hundred songs in it. Or it's something. something insane. It's just such. I mean, it loves the crap out of everything that's in it, and it's so rare because a lot of video game crossovers, I feel like, are just for the sake of making money. Yeah, like look at it. We have this character in the game now, but Smash Bros. It like mentioned before, it feels like a love letter and a tribute to video games as a whole. Um, the way that it includes um, so many different characters. And it's even spawned its own like subgenre of fighting games, being yes. the platform fighter, yeah. uh, where there's also this emphasis on a more wider screen and uh, height encouraged. It's or, like you're playing Mario Brothers, but you also have to like knock people out. Yes. Um, whereas fighting games are primarily on just a flat plane within a smaller screen, platform fighters open it up um, in terms of width and height um, and add another level of strategy and difference to the game. Uh, but of course, what makes Smash Bros. really amazing and primarily um, lesser than its like competitive value is its accessibility yes. to a casual audience. Yes. Um, and that Smash Bros. is a game that anyone can get. Oh, my goal is to hit the other people off the screen and I press buttons... Until that happens. The number of times I've had someone I know be like, how do you play this game? I go, A is the attack button, B is special attack. They go, got it, and then they just start wailing on people. Absolutely. It's just... It's just it's just incredible. And Smash Bros, I know for me as a kid, playing Super Smash Bros. Brawl, I grew up playing Mario games and got Smash Bros. Brawl because Mario was on the cover. Exactly. But then, who are all these other weird people on the cover? And because of Smash Bros, I got to learn about all these other Nintendo characters and intellectual properties, um, characters outside of Nintendo I hadn't heard of before that got added into the game and future installments of the game. Um, that just really opened me up to so many different genres of video game um, that are of course now become some of my favorite games ever that we'll talk about later as well mm-hmm. um, but bef- without going into too much depth we could do an entire episode about Smash Bros yeah um, we're just certainly. and I'm, I'm very thankful for what it does as a social outlet because Smash is like the first probably the first game I think of of like alright we're gonna have a group of people we wanna do something with video games we need to just throw something in yeah. people can do it you can relate to it They that's why like 
I know uh, some fraternities have it as like a rush event. People mm-hmm. will have it at parties. We, I mean, and like you said, the biggest thing is like we bonded over that. Like the first day <laughs> yeah. of actually being at Sanford together, like we just we played Smash in the room for probably like an hour, and yeah. that was where we started to like get comfortable hanging out. And how we decided who did Shores for the first few weeks was we'd <laughs> yeah. play like a best of five in Smash yeah. Bros. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, I think what especially made Smash Bros. Ultimate fun for me over the past year is how evenly matched Sam and I are. Yes. That like, yes. I, I feel like there's we have our phases that go in and out of one of us being better than the other, yeah. but what makes it so fun is how competitive it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, that Smash Bros. can be enjoyed so casually as a party game with items turned on on ridiculous stages with all these hazards in your way. Or you can play, you know, the meme is Fox only Final Destination, no items. Where it's just you and the other person um, duking out in a test of skill, um, mind games, and Reactions. reaction time as much as yeah. possible. And... Yeah, it's just a fun game to get better at and learn, and it just opens you up to so many other video game characters as well, and of course opens opens you up to that community as well. Its greatest strength is it does so well as a video game and as like a platform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're at about the 40-minute mark. I think we need to talk about the big boys, so Mitchell, I'll do you the honors and let you uh, talk about your favorite video game of all time. Yeah, and that is a sentence that has a lot of weight. Um, there is a lot of weight. It's, I mean, like every, uh, let's let's compare it to like people that are obsessed with films. In the film community, mm-hmm. like what your favorite movie is says a lot about you. Yes. And it's very similar that way with video games. Um, there are less video games to pull from in some ways than there are movies. Just because the, the it's, medium it's an, hasn't been yes. around very long. It's, it's still been around pretty new. Yeah. It's only really been around since the 80s. You could say it's been yeah. around since, you know, like the 50s or whatever. Eh, no. Um, with Who, like, who's out there saying Pong is like the, the biggest? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, video games really started with like arcade machines and Super Mario yes. for the NES, but... Um, it was Pac-Man in 1980. And... Um, but of course, what your favorite video game is says a lot about you. Um, and I find it really strange that my favorite video game wasn't like the genre or characters I grew up with by any means. I know it's the same for Sam in a lot of ways too. Your favorite video game, yeah. Um, it wasn't something that I expected to be my favorite game. Um, my favorite video game ever is The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Woo! Um, if you look anything up about it, it is one of the most critically acclaimed video games of all time. One of the highest rated games of all time. It has like a 97 on whatever that website is. Metacritic. Metacritic. Up there with um, some of the other greats. Red Dead 2. Um, Ocarina of Time, Red Dead 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Mario Galaxy I know is up there somewhere. Um, But all these like greatest games of all time. It is up there. And it is ranked appropriately. um, Rated appropriately. Um, I could talk about this game forever. Um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is, um, I guess, best described as an open world Fantasy setting, action adventure, puzzle, RPG element type game. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of words. Yeah. Um, so what Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild does is different from other games in the Legend of Zelda series. Um, Legend of Zelda is that series that is called Legend of Zelda, but you play as a character named Link, whose name is Link. He's Confusing. that guy who wears green and has that cool sword with the purple hilt on it, and he saves the Princess Zelda, and he fights Ganon and Ganondorf, who are like... This, it's confusing. And he goes, yeah! Yeah. And um, 
So Legend of Zelda games for every were known for having very linear progression, and the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild um, changes that by being an open world game um, that is just presented in some of the most beautiful ways I've ever seen a video game presented. Um, it is absolutely a beautiful game to look at, and I it is I think the only video game I have ever cried while playing. I'm comfortable saying that um, because of how much the game means to me. Um, because that game, I guess the best way to say it, came along at a time in my life where I was ready to be wowed by video games or just art in general. And I needed something to provide me a pick-me-up and really just like blow mm-hmm. me away emotionally. And it did that in every way. It came at a very good time. Absolutely. Um, it came, if I'm not wrong, it came out kind of... Or I played at the beginning of high school, essentially, which is... Of course, a very transformative time in any human being's life. Like, go, coming out of middle school into high school, you're changing in so many ways, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, not only... Don't start the health text. Not only, of course, physically, but emotionally and really starting to ground yourself and find out who you are as a person. Um, yep. And I think Breath of the Wild, it just really helped me kind of settle in a lot of those things about who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, because it tells such a beautiful story about a character whose essentially entire caricature is that he is the embodiment of courage and selflessness. Um, which, of course, makes more sense if you know more about the Zelda lore and the Triforce. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Ling is a character that Zelda games have always wanted you to self-insert yourself as this hero. And the game does such a beautiful job at making you feel like a hero. Mm. Um, which is just something that a lot of video games don't capture well. You feel like you are watching a character or controlling a character. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild does an amazing job at making you feel like you are Link. Like, when you do something for a character in that game and they say thank you, you feel that sense of reward that and they've you've done do, something for yes. someone. And they do it without it being, like, a create a character because that's another issue entirely yeah. is when, like, oh, you can customize your face and hair and body to, like, make it look like you, it also loses your identity as a character. But Link is, like, the kind of perfect in the middle because he has enough personality for it to not literally be Mitchell Drennan playing the game. Right. But he also has enough, like, malleability that, like you said, you can be the hero still. Yes, because he doesn't have any voice lines or any dialogue of his own. Like, he has entirely, like... Grunts and yeah, yeah, and even in cutscenes, he's entirely silent. So like, it is entirely on you to characterize like how you would react to these moments in the cutscenes. And the character of Princess Zelda in this game is one of my favorite characters in any video game ever. Maybe like my favorite video game character She's ever. Pretty awesome. Um, because wait, she, really? She is yes, favorite character. One, ever? Probably one of my favorite characters okay, ever in video okay. games. Um, and it's because she is so smart and real. Um, Zelda's a character that is consistently frustrated with Link and herself uh, throughout her story that you uncover through backstory. The game takes place a hundred years later after essentially the apocalypse, and you've been asleep this whole time. And you wake up to see the entire world that you knew before in ruins, and you don't remember what happened. And you have to figure it out and save Zelda, who has been like essentially in a trance, holding back evil for a hundred years. Um, and it, you just like through these, like, backstories, it just gives you such a genuine drive, like, I've got to beat this game. I've got to save Zelda. She mm-hmm. deserves it. 
I need to like <laughs> help a girl out, be the hero that she needs and deserves because, like, I'm Batman. Of like how I honestly because of how disappointed I know she was in me in the past. Mm. Um, and the game just had such incredible themes of selflessness and love. Um, not even like necessarily romantic love explicitly, but the connection between Link and Zelda and their similarities and their like frustrations with themselves and their development. Um, and just how this game lets you explore itself and just be wowed constantly by beautiful environments. And also an incredible thing about this game is it is incredibly hard at the beginning. <laughs> you, you come out of a cave in your underwear and the game opens with this beautiful opening Sounds scene. Sounds like a good Friday night. Where you crawl out of this cave in the darkness knowing nothing and your character just runs up to the edge of this cliff while this like piano plays and crescendos as you look out over the world and see like a world that is simultaneously in ruins and absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's just something so powerful about that message of like finding beauty in the face of destruction. Wow. Um, that like really hit me very hard and I'm like almost choking up talking about now because of how much that game means to me. But I can't talk about it for too long, of course. And well and just another thing to mention is you talked about themes so much in like character development and story and o- overarching narrative. I mean, let's not forget, it's a video game. It's fun to play. Yeah, it, it, the gameplay is incredibly fun. There, um, there's just a big sense of exploration. It's, I've it's some of the, the most fun too. I've had with combat in a game with how it lets you creatively there's fight so enemies. so much freedom, yes. You can stab them, you can shoot them, you can blow them <laughs> up, you can hit them with rocks, you can throw things at them that then blow up, you can Freeze magnetize time. giant blocks and hit them with them, you can... Reflect their own weapons at them. Yeah, you can try to be stealthy, you can go balls to the walls and just jump into the middle of an enemy camp but like every different like strategy you take has consequences and your weapons eventually break and you have to find new ones and there's just the gameplay side of it is there's so much incredibly deep and fun yeah wow you timed that almost perfectly that was like almost 10 minutes on the dot (laughs) um so my turn uh sam's favorite game of all time is Persona 5 Royal. Woo! And uh, let me tell you, I mean, I would imagine most people who aren't huge video game fans probably haven't heard of Mitchell's game. Most human beings ever have not heard of Persona 5 Royal. Despite it's, how critically acclaimed it is, it is. It is one of the most critically acclaimed video games of all time. and I mean, especially RPGs. But, like, it is still very niche. Like, you ask... 10 people, and you might be lucky if one of them has heard of it, not even yeah. played it. Um, so when we talked about Smash, we talked about how many I, like different characters and worlds there were in there. I had never heard of Persona 5 before its main character named Joker, not the Batman one, not the Batman one. joined Smash. Once he was in there, I was like, oh my gosh, this character is so cool. I've got to try what he's from. He is really cool. Well, I tried what he was from... And I cannot believe it. To this day, I cannot believe Persona 5 Royal is my favorite game of all time because it's everything I hate about video games. Mm. It is a turn-based role-playing game that you spend dozens of hours just grinding the game, which is just defeating the same enemies over and over so you'll get stronger bit by bit. It's also a half of it is a role-playing game. Half of it is a high school life simulator. Essentially like a visual novel it, at times. Kind of, yes. It, it is enormously heavy on dialogue. It takes forever. 
it's it's anime. Like I can't believe it, but it's anime. Right. And it's cheesy. It's stupid. It plays into Japanese tropes that Americans, including myself, don't get or enjoy. But I played that game, and gosh darn it, it is the greatest game I have ever played in my life, and I will stand by that statement as long as I live. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to run through the entire plot because it would take a long, long time. Yeah, it could be its own, like, thousand-page book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Persona 5... And the reason I say Persona 5 and sometimes say Persona 5 Royal is because the original game, Persona 5, came out in 2016. In 2020, it got like a remastered kind of reboot bonus edition called Royal, and it added on like an extra chapter of the story and a bunch of bonus content that made it better. I'm referring to the same game, Mm -hmm. so don't be confused by that. Anyway, Persona 5. You play as an unnamed high school student in Japan who gets blamed for a crime he didn't commit, ends up getting disowned by his parents, sent away to a sort of like adoptive father figure type deal, and you end up in a high school where everyone hates you because they think you killed someone. Sounds like just another Tuesday. Just another Tuesday, am I right? So you get to the high school, you're pretty miserable, the character is pretty depressed, Nothing's really going your way. Your character falls asleep, and he finds himself in a dream where he meets, like, a mysterious guy he's never met before who tells him that he has powers, and he's got to save the world. You've heard this one. This is a trope that's been done before. Is like, oh, you got powers now. It's basically the you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. Um, so he finds out he has powers. He starts to meet people in the school, and basically the game begins to split itself into two stories. There's the story of you, the, the struggling high school student who's trying to make connections, find a place in the world, and just live a high school life of taking tests, going on dates, going to eat food at restaurants. Those are all things you can do. Um, and then there's the other half of the story where you're a phantom thief who basically has to go steal the hearts from evil, corrupted people to basically be the change you want to see in the world Hmm. and it's the way these two things connect into each other that makes the game so special words are hard so special because your character joker has stats in the real world and stats in the metaverse and it's not the mark zuckerberg one (laughs) they use that word first um like for example in the real world you can like go to the library at the high school and you study for a test you study for the test, and it makes you smarter. Well, when you're smarter in the real world, and then you go into the metaverse world, you can now like pick locks on treasure chests that you couldn't before. You basically are encouraged to make the most out of both lives you've been given so that they will benefit each other. Mm. It's such a like, it's such a unique gameplay concept, but one that seems so simple. And I can't believe it, because I hate turn-based games. Like, I don't want to just wait my turn, press a button, he smacks you in the face, my turn's over, I wait for another one. Like, that has never been fun to me. Yeah. But this game does it so well, because it encourages you to be smarter than your enemy, Mm -hmm. and find out what they're weak to, Mm. you can pass off moves to your teammates, it encourages encourages you to work with the other characters, and that is... Probably one of the biggest things about this game for me is the characters. Persona is a series that 
heavily, heavily encourages you to get invested in its other characters because right. you are spending hours upon hours with them. I've been like building up and kind of saving this point. My first playthrough of Persona 5 took me 120 hours. It counts like the game has an internal clock and it tracks how much you play. It took me 120 hours to get through it the first time I played it. That is absurd. Like, people, when you were talking about, like, I'm not embarrassed to admit that, like, I cried for this game, I cried like a baby at the end of the game. Mm. And then people, like, my parents were like, what is the deal with that? And I was like, all right, we go to the movies. We watch a movie. You're with that main character for maybe two and a half hours at the very most. Right. And I have... We have all cried at movies. I watched The Help, and I wouldn't let anyone talk to me for like a day. I spent 120 hours with the characters in that game, and you think exactly. it's not going to affect me? Yeah. It does such a good job of building all its side characters to be so likable, and it's like, it's the perfect mix of like high school misfits who only only really fit in with each other like they're all each other's level of just weird and awkward but then you have the complete opposite end of the metaverse where you're these like super stylish oceans 11 thieves that are going in and defeating and conjuring demons to take out the evil people there i can't fit everything i want to say about this game into 10 minutes but I just wish everyone would give it a shot. I know it's very hard to sell a game that that's that's that long and that dense to everyone, mm-hmm. but the game has incredible characters that you will grow so attached to. It has honestly some of the best villains I think ever. I I want to make a video essay on that, but the first villain you fight in the game is the high school PE coach who you find out abuses his students in multiple ways. Mm. And you have to steal his heart so that it'll, he'll change away from his corruption. He is one of the greatest villains in media. But just nobody knows about it. Exactly. Um, the music is incredible. Like, a lot of video games fan... Insanely video, yeah, incredible. Bangers, dude. Bangers. Um, to the point where, like, there are musicians that don't do video games that will, like, cover the soundtrack from that. My Yes. One of my favorite bands of all time... They're just like an indie rock band, and they have covered the main theme of that game just because it's so good. Yeah. Um, the last thing is the style. Oh, the absolutely. The game oozes... Presentation! Presentation. It oozes style and personality and swagger. It's, it was the same thing I mentioned about why I like the bad guys so much, because the game has pizzazz, and it knows it, mm-hmm. and it owns it. Yep. Everything, like... Every single screenshot you will see from that game could be, like, just a masterpiece. Yes. It, it basically, the game is so long, but it makes it so worth it all the way through. Yeah. And I've talked about this game for about ten minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. But I know that, like, I could go on for hours Absolutely. about how incredible it is. And that's why it makes me so sad that, like, I will maybe know two other people in the span of my life that will have ever played the game. Yeah. I think it's also been, like, such an inspiration for other games. It was even an, a huge inspiration for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yeah. Like, Sakurai, the developer of the game, has been quoted multiple times on saying that, like, the style of how he designed the UI and the menus for that game was highly based on 
the style that uh, he's trying to replicate from Persona 5. I consider it... Per, I, I'm hopeful Persona 5 does to video games what Into the Spider-Verse did for movies. Oh, dude, me too. Just that level of style and flair and love poured into mm, every mm. movement and action and shot. Um, I'd say Persona 5 really does feel like the Into the Spider-Verse of games. Yeah. Just that game that it's like, why is this game so good? You know? Like and it had no right to be. Yeah. It, I mean blows my mind how someone could make a game so incredible that like I feel like I lived through that game with those characters yeah I think that is a similar experience for both of our favorite video games is that you know we could talk about them for hours without mentioning the gameplay once exactly and we don't have the time to do this as much as we thought in this episode because yeah. it's hard to not gush about your favorite things and your favorite form of media yeah, I mean literally long. like I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way about Breath of the Wild. Exactly. But like, Persona 5 Royal is one of my favorite things that exists in yes. the like entire universe. Absolutely. And so I think reducing what I want to say about it to like 10 minutes is yeah. a little hard. I think this is something we'll have to talk about more in another video, but I think what the point we want to try to get across is video games can have such an inf- impact on a person. Yeah. And video games are art. I don't even think that's something that can be remotely contested you can't debate it. anymore. Um, is that video games are a form of art and a way to present stories and themes and ideas and creativity um, on a level and presented in a way that other things just can't replicate. Um, so I mean, that's what makes it so unique. Is like the thing I've always said is I'm I don't understand why video games got the stigma that they have because. It's like, you don't really call someone a nerd for watching a movie. Mm -hmm. Video games are just movies that you get to play. Essentially, yeah. Instead of like, oh, I'm in the theater seeing, I don't know, like, Django Unchained. Well, it's like, now I get to be Django and run around and shoot people and make the decisions for him instead of just watching it Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So. Um, But, yeah, this is a longer episode that was... Um, fairly heartfelt um, at Passionate. times. Um, so we hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And uh, video games something definitely would talk about more in depth in future episodes. This was just kind we're, of an overview to get an idea. 100% coming back to um, this concept. Kind of a general overview of both of our experiences with video games throughout yeah. the years. And there's so many other things we haven't even talked about. Um, so uh, we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And um, once again, we've come to that outro point. I'm Sam. I'm Mitch. And this has been legitimately one of the most fun episodes of Club Sandwich that we have recorded to this point. Never see it coming. That's percent.